Ready to stop trading time for money and build a business that can scale? Then you're in good company. This is the Productize Podcast, where I chat with entrepreneurs who've transformed their businesses using the Productize service model. I'm your host, Brian Castle. Want to learn my best strategies for productizing your business? Then get my free crash course by going to productizecourse.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, hey, here we go with another coaching session uh, for the Productize Podcast. And today you're going to hear my conversation with Dina Eisenberg. It was an interesting one. Um, so Dina recently launched uh, her new service called OutsourcingEasier.com. And we recorded this in uh, February of 2016. And she's actually been at this for 10 or 11 months. Uh, but the service has kind of uh, iterated a, a couple times over over the past year. Um, and so what what she's basically offering her clients is an easier done-for-you solution to help them find a lawyer, a CPA, a, a, a bookkeeper for their new business, and kind of all the roles that really any business owner would need when they're, when they're just getting started, started up or they're ready to kind of grow to that next level. She's kind of helping them find, vet, and, and place you know, the right lawyer matched with, with the right needs for your business. And that seems pretty broad. And so we, we talked you know, quite a bit about um, how she's looking to, to niche that down and which you know niche niche verticals she's looking at, at offering this for and um, and also some you know various other ideas. Um, it's interesting to hear how she used her her previous experience and pre-existing inroads to get this thing off the, off the ground. Um, but we we dug into a number of different questions that she had as she's thinking about moving forward with this, such as how to market and position a service like this. So how to reach people who see this as a burning need and something that they're willing to pay for right now, um, how to grow or how to wait on growing the product ladder for this business, meaning you know offering multiple products to the same audience, uh, whether or not it makes sense to do that upfront or over time and how to grow that over time. Uh, we talked about different ideas for packaging up the service into smaller chunks with higher value upsells. Um, and we also re- related that back to some pricing strategies and whether or not it makes sense to raise the price and when. Um, so we talked about all this kind of stuff and, uh, and, and even a bit more. So I think, I think you're really going to um, take a, a number of actionable takeaways from this one. I had a really good, good time talking with Dina, um, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Today's quick tip is upsells on the back end. Now, in some of the other quick tips, we talked about kind of the value of of uh, a one-time service versus recurring and um, and the benefits and the pros and cons of each. Now, today's quick tip is, is actually to you to leverage both of them and let them work together for you. So what I often recommend in many cases, not all, but, but in many cases, it makes sense to offer a one-time service, a one-time purchase as the first product that you offer. And that can be, say, an audit or a one-time coaching call or you know some kind of one-time service that doesn't you know uh, serve a, an ongoing need. But what that does is it brings instant revenue into your business. It brings a client into your business. It develops a relationship with a new client who hopefully they'll have a, they'll have some success from the first one-time service, and then you can uh, upsell the recurring service. So that can be ongoing maintenance or ongoing support or quarterly check-in calls or monthly reports, you know, something that, that offers an ongoing solution to, to, the, to the same problem or a related problem, but for the same client. 
And the interesting thing about combining these two is that, you know, often selling any kind of recurring service, even as cheap as a SaaS, like a $49 a month service, that is a much, much harder thing to get somebody to take out their credit card and pay for when they haven't gotten to know you yet and haven't built up that trust. But a one-time purchase, $100, even a $1,000 one-time purchase is actually a lot easier for someone to buy because it's a one-time purchase. It's not a long-term commitment. So if you can get them to buy that, that first commitment, then selling them the recurring service after they've had some success with you is a much easier upsell. And at the end of the day, you're increasing the lifetime value of that customer by a lot because not only did they pay for the one time, but they're also signed up for the recurring. So that's, that's the idea. And, um, and that's the quick tip today, upsell with an ongoing service. All right. So, so Dina, I, I've been, you know, checking out your website. Um, and that is at outsourceeasier.com. Yeah. Um, I like, I like the name, very clear branding, very, very, uh, very good. I like that. And so I, I've been reading through it and, and you already, you also provided me a bunch of notes about, you know, what you do and where you're looking to go. So that was very helpful. Um, but, you know, maybe just briefly, like, like, how would you describe what you do today? Okay. I think a good way of describing it is that I love helping entrepreneurs sort of put together, curate their dream team, you know, like the five essential folks that you have to have. And I think that's a lawyer, a writer, a virtual assistant, you need an IT person, and you need a financial teammate, whether that's a bookkeeper or a CPA. That team is the one that's going to really support you going forward, and so I help people put that team together when either they're too busy or they just don't feel like they have the talent and they want some expert advice on who's going to make a good teammate for them. Got it. Very cool. And so I I like that because those are kind of the, the people who almost every business needs, right? It's yes. not, not just a specific type of business. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's another question. I mean, do you work with a specific type of business or industry or type of, of entrepreneur? Yeah, I do. I actually started uh, out working with mastermind coaches and their clients because oftentimes when someone helps you get a big vision, you get the vision, but maybe not the implementation genie that goes along with that. And so I was helping them find the teammates they need to be able to do a project, say like a video or their own podcast. Lately though, I've been working really with folks who are sort of my ilk, I'm self-employed professionals, I'm a lawyer by training. And so I've been teaming with nurse entrepreneurs and small law firms to get them to think more about like how can they round out their team and they need a slightly different set because a lawyer doesn't necessarily need another lawyer, mm-hmm. although it's good to have one. You know, the saying is if you're your own client, you have a fool. Right, you represent right. yourself, you're a fool for a client. So sometimes they need a lawyer, but mainly, you know, law firms need to have more social media marketing help. They need to have the IT help. And certainly you need a website designer. So many bad legal websites out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. So you, you kind of described in your email to me how your, uh, like what your current products look like. And so um, if I can reiterate here, you're, are these, are, like, you, tell me, are you currently offering them this way or you're moving toward this model? And what these were, I were like teammate off- search, like a, a single teammate search for $175 yep. or a pack of three teammate searches for $500. i am currently offering those. Okay, great. And and how has that been going in terms of like the pricing and packaging? 
Well, you know, I'm getting a little feedback that the pricing on the single is too low. Um, at the, you know, for the three pack, people are okay with that. They're like, yes, this, you know, this is very reasonable pricing. So that lets me know that probably I'm a little underpriced. And yeah, that was actually my, my first impression when I read it yeah. too. You, yours too? I think so. It seemed a little bit low, especially for the type of, you know, why I say that is I think that a business or a business person who's ready to hire a lawyer and a bookkeeper, you know, mm -hmm. and start outsourcing all these roles, they're, they, they've grown to a certain point, right? They're yes. not, they're not completely new at this, you know, they're not doing this on nights and weekends alongside their full-time <laughs> job. This is, you know, they're, they're in a more serious position. So I think they can probably afford a, a higher rate. Yeah. I think my, my thinking, and, you know, maybe it was a little bit of a fear-based thing was that I wanted to test it at a lower price point, get my feedback, testimonials, and then, you know, raise the price. Yeah. Yeah. That, that definitely makes sense. I, you know, if you, if you're going with that strategy, then I would still put, you know, the full price or, or the price that, that you think it, it should be. Um, but then offer it like at, at a discount to to a cer certain group of people. You know, you can tell them like this is new. I want to get your feedback, and I'll give you a discount for that. Okay. So I mean, I I'm curious to hear what you think the pricing should be. Um, well, I mean, I guess this isn't exactly what you do, but just to give you an idea, I, I recently used a company twice now um, called uh, VirtualStaffFinder.com. Yeah. Oh, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so five hundred bucks, and they, and that's, well. So they they essentially give you three candidates for virtual assistants, and the idea is that you're probably going to hire one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and I've used them twice now, and the first time around, I actually ha ended up hiring two of the three, and the third one wasn't really a good fit. And then the and I just recently paid for another another five hundred for, for okay. them, and I'm waiting on on the candidates for that round. Um, so I mean that that kind of gives you an idea, like five hundred really just to hire one person. So I think in your case, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I I would look to at least double or triple the, the prices from where you're at. Okay, that's good feedback. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I do want to get right into you know some of your questions about. Uh, well, you know, like before we we really tackle your questions about where you're going moving forward, I just wanted to get an, an, another idea of like. How long have you been at this, and how did you get into this, and and, oh. ha and how did your service kind of evolve up, up until today? My favorite questions. So I started last year, and this business really grew out of a pivot from my consulting practice and a personal experience that I'm, I'm really serious about sharing. So I was consulting with other um, service professionals, helping them sort of move their knowledge into information products, whether it was a course or a video or something like that. We'd spend the time, we'd do the blueprint, I'd be excited, they'd be excited, they'd go off, and i think, wow, let me check in with them, see where they're at. It's gonna be so exciting to see this course, only to find not done a thing. And when I questioned uh, my clients, they were like, yeah, a good idea, I just didn't have time, or I didn't know how to find that particular editor or VA, and I didn't wanna spend the time to do it. So really the part of the reason why the service came about is the frustration of having my clients have great ideas but not implementing on it and mm -hmm. wanting to assist them with that process. So I started sort of curating teammates for them on a one-off basis. 
The other piece was my husband um, owned a million dollar business. I mean, he was doing great. He had lots of corporate clients, but he also had a very bad back. And one night he sneezed and he ruptured two discs and crushed the nerve sac at the bottom of his spine. Oh, wow. Yeah, emergency surgery, like the doctor telling me 90 minutes, if we don't operate in 90 minutes, he's gonna be paralyzed. So of course I say yes, he comes through the surgery fine, he starts a two year recovery, but his business dies in a week. Why? He has no systems at all. No one else can run the business. There's no notes on who his clients are, what they need. There's no, not a single operating procedure at all. The best I can do is run to the, you know, Best Buy, get a laptop so he can work from rehab. And his clients still didn't love that. So it took him like a couple of years to rebuild back that business. And I got the serious lesson about what happens when you're a solo entrepreneur, small business owner, and you don't have any systems in place. That's, that is amazing. I, I mean, as, as scary and as, and as hard and tough as that, that must have been for, for both of you, that is probably the most compelling story that I've ever heard, you know, to, to convince a business owner to, to get into building systems. I mean, as you know, it's a big part of, of what I've been teaching in the productized course. And like in, in my experience and most business owners experience at some point, they, they get to that conclusion that, you know, it's time to kind of remove myself and delegate and build systems and processes. But that's more about kind of scaling it up. I think in your, in your husband's case, it's, it was really like, wow, you know, this is what can happen if, if you were to, you know, uh, exit the picture at any time. That's right. So I really built what I call a business model called the accordion business. And it's really designed to protect you in that situation. When things are great, life is good, you have time, you have energy, you want to expand out and do more things with your business, go right ahead because you're going to have the team that's going to fill in those gaps and let you extend your reach a lot more. When, God forbid, something happens and you need to be away from the business to take care of family or yourself, or you just want to be away. Like, suppose you wanted to go to, I don't know, Paris for a month. You could actually do that because the business has enough system and foundation in place to run itself. So I want people to work themselves out of their business. Yep. Very cool. So so you gave me a bunch of questions that, that we can tackle here. Uh, but, I mean, before we even get into those, mm-hmm. how would you... What would you say right now is kind of the biggest challenge in in where you're at? So I initially thought my biggest challenge was figuring out how to um, systematize my process for picking the right person. But you know, once I sat down and studied that a little bit, I realized I can do that. I think right now the biggest challenge is how to position this so people who need it recognize that they need it. Right. Yeah. It's... um... It, yeah, and, and and I think it's it's about identifying a specific problem that a specific type of of customer has, yep. and I think you've started to do that, right? Like you've started to kind of focus in on 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 uh, nurse like, entrepreneurs. Yeah, was it nurse entrepreneurs? Okay, nurse I, I'm I'm actually kind of curious. A nurse entrepreneur. How does? Yeah. Because okay. when I think of a nurse, I think of somebody who works at, at a hospital or something. That's right. That's a cool, I'm, I'm glad you asked her. Cool question. So nurse entrepreneurs are a group of nurses that actually run their own independent businesses. The ones I'm focusing on right now are a direct connection to my legal background. So now I'm working with nurse legal consultants. And their role is to assist the attorney to understand 
the underlying medicine in their cases. Oh, I see. Okay. When they need like a like a, a subject matter expert to help support a, a legal case. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, I didn't. So, I didn't know that. Is there a large market of, of people who do that kind of work? There actually is a quite. A, now I wouldn't say overly large, but considering I'm a somewhat a small company, that having a market of you know a few thousand, like five or six thousand people, seems like a good start. Interesting. Yeah. And so how? And so you've. How have you attracted them so far? Was it basically from your your own legal practice and, and your own network? No, I actually don't practice law anymore. I practice such an arcane and painful kind of law. Five years of practice was enough time to let me know I'd rather be a business person. But I um, discovered a nurse practitioner who had her own practice. And she actually approached me and said, you know, one of the things that my community really needs is to learn how to delegate because the faster they do things, the more opportunity they have to take on new cases. And so I sat down and designed three delegation courses for her. Interesting. Um, I, you know, I guess in, in turn, getting back to your question of like how to attract those clients who see this as a burning pain. I mean, I think part of it can be to to relate your service more specifically to their to their business in, in some way. It's not just about hiring a lawyer or hiring a, a, a an accountant or bookkeeper mm-hmm. you know because because that applies to basically any business right um, but if you start to really focus in on what are the specific like ins and outs of a nurse of, of a nurse entrepreneur's business right. um, and what kind of legal advice do they need and, and and what kind of things do do they need to take into account um, when it comes to hiring an, an accountant you know I mean like for example like I recently hired a, a bookkeeper a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And I yes. was like, I was specifically looking for someone who, who understood like online business, who who understood using using Stripe and using Zero, which were software tools that I was already on board and using. So, you know, like those are things that applied to to my business as like an online entrepreneur. What are what are those things for a nurse entrepreneur? You know, um, right. So I've actually been doing the research. I've been reading the different sites and the different forums. And, and searching for questions sort of fill out that information base so that I can point to specifically the places where they're going to want a VA to organize you know, their case notes and keep mm-hmm. those, that organized in maybe a spreadsheet. They're going to want to have that bookkeeper really tracking their expenses because you know they travel to their client site or maybe they have other expenses that they might not be doing right now. My sense of this community is that they're really caring and good at what they do, but not necessarily all that experienced at business. So a lot of it will be relating it to, you know, the best practices for running a profitable business. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and so, you know, getting into some of these questions that you've had here. Uh, so like the first one here is, uh, you know, is my sales funnel full and correct? Can, can you tell me what you mean by that? Yeah, you know, I kind of think that a sales funnel in terms of the products that you're offering, there needs to be a, you know, entry-level product, mid-level product, you know, mid-high and then a high. So I want to make mm-hmm. sure that I covered that whole range. Yeah, that's a good question. Um and I I think I think when it comes to well, I, I guess I think of uh, two different concepts. There's the sales funnel or or other like the marketing funnel, but then there's also like the product ladder. 
right? And I think what you're asking more about is like that product ladder. Um, I actually don't think that you need all steps of that ladder from day one or even in the first year. Um, Mm -hmm. I I actually kind of think it's it's more important that you don't develop all those products up front and, and, and instead develop them over time. And I prefer, like with the productized service model, I actually prefer to start with a productized service, which is like the highest price version of what you're going to be offering. You know, that can be like one-to-one consultation or, yeah. or even, even getting into like group consultations, things like that. But re- really it would probably start with like, you know, one-to-one client relationships. That's like the highest price tier. And then, right. and that's what helps you launch the service, establish your brand, establish a network, start to build your audience. Um, people starting to know you as a specialist who works with nurse entrepreneurs and you offer a very specialized service. People start to know you for that. And then, you know, phase two would be to come out with that middle tier, um, which could be a little bit more scalable version of what you've been offering, which, you know, could be uh, group um, consultation or, or consultation over Skype instead of, you know, in person, you know, like something along those lines. Um, okay. And then like, and then, a little bit beyond that once you've really grown your audience and your email list then you can start to roll out much more scalable products like a book or like a course or you know um, do-it-yourself training that's very helpful because I would have thought it was the other way around like you start small and you ramp up to the big but you're saying start with your biggest thing yes yeah exactly And, and the reason for that a few reasons I mean number one you start with the productized service the highest priced here that immediately gets you paying clients and and you're generating revenue much faster than if you're trying to sell say like a $29 ebook yes. um, so that's that well that's number one but also if you're if you're gonna launch something like an ebook or even like your own software or something like that you're much better positioned if you've already built an audience and, right. and you've already established yourself and, and you have immediately an audience that you can try to sell that that to um, if if your business is still brand new, it'll it, it's possible, but it's just an uphill battle to to get a lower price product out to the masses. You know? well, that's why I wanted to talk to you because I did not want to have to schlep this. I, I wanted it to be a nice you know sprint. Yeah, bit. yeah, exactly. I mean, plus, I mean, the, the the other reason beyond that would also be that through serving your clients with the productized service and you're going to learn more and more about about them you're also going to develop your processes even further and your expertise and all that stuff all that learning after say a year or more of that learning can then be rolled into a book or or a course you know if if you were to come out with that book or or course from day 1 it wouldn't be as as strong as it could be after a year of doing this, you know. I expect I hear what you're saying because all the feedback I get from the participants will enhance the course. Exactly. Yep. Done. Um, cool. So let's see what else do we have here. How is my pricing? I think we kind of talked about that Dr. a little Dad, bit. Yeah, too low. <laughs> <laughs> um, see any issues with my outline plan? I, I guess this kind of come you know relates to what we were just talking about in terms of like rolling out. The, the products over time. Yep. Um, how would you position this? I yeah, l- like I said, the more that you can focus in on that on that one audience, you know, nurse entrepreneurs, or it could be another audience. You know, over time, you might find there's there's a different market that that would be better for this. Um, but I I would try to eventually focus in on one, and um, 
for a few reasons. Again, like once you have multiple products, it's much easier to sell multiple products to the same audience or at least different segments within that same audience, right? Like mm-hmm. newer, newer uh, nurse o- entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. and another product for like more experienced nurse entrepreneurs. Um, and also when it comes to marketing, if you're going to do like content marketing or advertising or anything like that, it's it's much easier if you know exactly who you're going after rather than, okay, we need to run some articles and some advertisements and things at nurses and some are targeted at lawyers and some are targeted at doctors. It's it's it's, it's hard to go broad. It's easier to, to focus in on one. So it sounds like you're saying conquer one audience and then move on to the next. Well, not necessarily move on to the next. I, I think it, it will take a little bit of um, trial and error and, and exploration before you find you know exactly who your most ideal audience is. I mean, maybe you're, you're already finding that it is nurse entrepreneurs, um, and then you can kind of just ramp it up from there. Okay. So, yeah. That's really helpful in terms of thinking about the market, because now I've adjusted the pricing. That might mean I have to adjust my market as well. Yeah, I mean that that could be another factor, right? Like you can find there 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 are plenty of nurse entrepreneurs out there. They just don't have the budget to right. to support something that's that's sustainable. So maybe you'll you'll start to focus on say doctors who have a higher budget, right? Um, it, it and that just takes some some learning. It doesn't really happen overnight. Nope, nothing does, does it? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. How would you market this? Well, I guess I'll I'll just ask you like how have you been marketing it up, up until now? Right now, the strategy is to go out to speaking gigs because that gets the best response in terms of, oh, yeah, like I was at an event last week and I met someone and I didn't tell her the entire story, but I asked her, like, tomorrow, if you know you had to be away from your business for a month, what would happen? And she had that look like, oh, my God, I would be screwed. <laughs> so I think... Um, doing speaking gigs so I'm going out now and speaking to small groups and beginning to build what you said which is you know not my knowledge base about what the market wants in terms of this product very nice and and so these uh, these speaking gigs and these conferences are like are they within the nurse world I started out in the coaching world so oh, right, right, okay. mastermind groups and coaches who have communities that I'm talking to more the second quarter of this year, I'll be focusing more on the nurse entrepreneurs because I still need to learn that world a little bit. Well, that's another factor to consider, right? Is um, how easy is this market for you to reach, right? So you might find, I, I would imagine, I'm pretty sure there are plenty of, you know, business coaching meetup groups and conferences and places where you can go and, and embed yourself. I wonder if there are the same types of op- opportunities for. The, the nurse entrepreneur world. I mean, there there yes, might be some, there but there um, are there there are a couple of different associations that I can actually begin writing for, and I will submit articles to their blogs. I've been researching their upcoming conferences, and usually those are kind of regional. And I'm on the West Coast, so I'll be looking for conferences on, on my side of the world mm-hmm. to be able to go to and present. Very nice. Yeah, so that that's perfect. I get you know. It, it, there are like all these different factors that you want to take into consideration. Like, are is this a a client who experiences the problem and they know that they have the problem? That would be one factor. Another factor would be: do they are they willing to pay for this problem to be solved rather than do it themselves? Um, 
and then how easy is it to reach them? Like, can, and, and how would you reach them? You know, in your case, going out to conferences, I think that makes a lot of sense. Writing content for, for, for their industry. Um, I, think, I think another important factor would be how, how interested are you in, in really um, investing all this time and energy into this, into this market? Like, for example, is, mm-hmm. is going out to nursing groups and, and speaking gigs, like, is, is that... Is that going to fire you up for, for a long period of time? Or, or do you think over time it could become a slog? You know? No, I think it's actually going to fire me up. Like if I wasn't a lawyer, I would have been a doctor. It was just a numbers thing. Yeah. Like chemistry and biology were not my friends. So I, I became a lawyer. I, I love medicine. And, you know, my first years of practicing, I actually sort of practiced in the context where I got to spend a lot of time with medicine. So that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I mean, you know, in my previous business, with restaurant engine, I, I kind of ran into that issue a little bit after a few years of, of pushing on it. I, I could have pushed more. I could have doubled down. Yeah. I could, I could have flew myself out to Chicago to, to go to the restaurant industry convention, but I just was not interested in that, in that industry as much. So I, you know, it, it definitely, like um, it. it's, it, it's important to kind of consider that piece too. It is. And I, I think that there will come a time when I'll need to transition and that's when I'm thinking, okay, then I'm going to be looking at the small law firms that actually handle those kinds of cases. My other um, marketing, I guess, idea is that within the San Francisco area, I'm going to start going out to mid-sized law firms and offering to hold a delegation class for their clients. And mm. the thought is that certainly they'll want to be able to, to offer something yummy to their clients. Clients might hire me, but I'm hoping the law firm gets the idea that, hey, we could use some help. That's, I, I really like that. Actually, this gets into your next question here. You know, who should I tap to partner with? Um, and I like that strategy a lot because, you know, thinking about a, typically a business owner would hire a lawyer when they're organizing their, their LLC or their, or their S Corp or something, right? So that's, that's also a good time. For for the lawyer to propose, well, you know, we also have this partner, uh, you know, outsource outsourcing easier, who can help you with all the like like we the lawyer will help you with setting up the LLC. This person can help you with all the other pieces, you know. Yep, that's um, my plan. Yeah, I I really like that because it, it gets them at that time when they're yeah. thinking about all these different pieces, and that kind of relates back to, you know, do they see this as a problem or do they have the the need for it uh, right now, right? Um. So here's my follow-up question then. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking I would love to be able to go out and position this as a lunch and learn for the firms and charge my regular speaking price. So I'm not I'm not certain if I should actually charge them my regular rate or do this as a freebie, as a relationship building thing. Um, it's an interesting question. I think. Hmm. I. I I mean, I think for you can work out some sort of referral arrangement, right? So, like for every deal that that they refer to you, they they get a percentage. Um, yeah. Again, again, that would probably require you to increase your your pricing rates pricing. so that you, you can afford the, the commissions. Um, so, so there would be that. I, I think I I see I see nothing wrong with like a free lunch and learn, especially if there are going to be enough lawyers and law firms to be there for, for it to be worth it, right? Yeah, I think that I would really want to have, you know, at least 10 to 15 people in the room to make it worthwhile. Right. 
yeah so again like in in that session you're kind of pitching your services to them but also the the opportunity for them to to um to kind of grow the value of 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 those of those small um uh law you know cases for for lack of a better word right like actually you know my my father's a lawyer and, and i'm a little bit familiar with with these kinds of things and i know yeah. that i know that he you know he'll he'll work with like like buying and selling a business and yeah. and larger real estate deals and things and and th- that's th- those deals are are more you know lucrative for for a lawyer but then they get all these kind of lower level smaller, sm- things. smaller things like setting up the llc or you know um things like that where you know they they take them and it keeps it keeps the network growing and and all that but um, there, there's not a lot of value in there per deal, but but partnering with someone like you can add a little bit more value to those smaller deals. So you can kind of pitch it that way. I agree. I think that you know part of my pitch to them is that lawyers don't necessarily have the best reputation for client service, and being able to offer them an opportunity to learn how to delegate, build a distributed team, and actually manage it is a very nice value add. Yeah, absolutely, and it also helps them like grow their clients, right? Like, so if they, if yeah. they have a, a a client who's just starting a business, it's in the lawyer's interest to have that that business grow so that they get to a point where they need more law services. Your managers are going to get higher from them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's right. I love that. Thank you. Yep. Um. So your your last question that you had here was, you know, what what pitfalls should I look out for? Yep. Um, I mean, do you have, are there any particular things that you're thinking about right now? You know, I, I, the place where I think I see an issue is sort of around the scheduling thing and I can manage that. You know, what happens is someone buys their search, then they have to actually fill out their questionnaire. And I've tried to manage people dropping off at that point because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to interrupt the workflow and have to be waiting for someone to come around and, and, finish that. So it's I put on a little bit of a, you know, I tell people they have to have it done in four days um, or they won't be able to move forward. And I think that's, that's probably the only place where I, I worry that I'll get a bottleneck. People won't do the survey or won't schedule their time and then I'm stuck. That's interesting. I mean, we, we also send an onboarding form after the, per- so actually a question is that they, they mm-hmm. go on your website and they purchase first, right? Like they, they pay you and then they need to fill out this form, right? Correct. So that's interesting. I mean, because it's, they've paid for it. So they kind of have to, you know, in you order... would think, right? You yeah. Would think. Um, pay now I want to do it, but then they get busy or they scan the questions and they're like, Oh, I got to get back. Uh, I need some extra information. I'll come back and fill that in. Then sort of waiting. Yeah. So we have a, so in audience ops, my current company, we we have a pretty similar thing. So after they paid, one of the very first things that we do is we send them a really long form for them to fill out, and we we have to get like access to their website and access to their Google Analytics and all this stuff. Um, you know, you you can get a web developer to help out with this. It's a pretty simple thing. But but what we've set up is um, a form like a multi-page form that they can fill out, but mm-hmm. they can also save their progress and come back to oh. it later. Great idea. Yeah, I use a tool called Gravity Forms, which is a WordPress yeah, plugin. Yeah, so so Gravity Forms has that ability. You can you can create a you can create a multi-page form, and and it also now has that ability to offer the user 
an option to um, it's basically a link on the page that just says like save save progress and finish later and then I think what it does is it sends the person an email with a link to come right back to the form nice. and, and complete it um, but we I mean we've run into that too with because like we can't start our work until they fin fill out fill that out and same deal like we're working with business owners and they get super busy um, and so like my project manager has to basically follow up with them like manually on on a weekly basis you know hey just letting letting you know we need you to complete your getting started form um, so yeah I think that just requires a little bit of manual follow up I guess another question on that would be mm -hmm. what happens if it takes them two or three weeks. To, is, is just the is the only implication that they're delayed or does it kind of put no, a cr like a crunch on your schedule there's a real impact on me and i try to express that to them by saying you know when i, I can't get yours then that means i can't actually do somebody else's and so i've just made a policy that if you don't fill out your forms in four days essentially your process stops when you know we right. don't move forward anymore and so you've actually paid now a very good amount of money and you're not going to get the outcome and I'm not chasing you about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think that makes sense. Um I wonder if if 4 days is a little bit too short. I mean may, maybe it's fine for your for your audience. Um yeah. You know, I, I might I might look at like extending that to 1 week or you know, so that would be one idea. The other idea would yeah. be um w at the initial time that they that they buy or even when they're talk like pre-sales, but when they're talking <laughs> to you asking questions, um you can say you can position it like you know do you want to reserve a spot for february yes and there there are limited spots available kind of kind of thing yeah i think that's a great way to, to do it that's a little bit more finesseful yeah yeah and it also adds a little bit of urgency but but a real urgency right like because you can only literally fit a certain number of clients in per month and so, a yeah. month right and i don't want people to miss their spot which is how i articulate that like I would hate for you to miss your spot. You know, there's nearly not a refund, so please be sure you schedule in this amount of time. Yeah, and so another maybe this is another pitfall or really just a question. Mm -hmm. um, so you you mentioned that that you curate teams. Does that mean that that you've found a, a bunch of accountants and a bunch of lawyers that you routinely recommend to people? I have. I've been outsourcing since 2009, so I have a pretty robust network. And I'm always on the lookout for new VA teams, new CPAs, new everything, so that if somebody comes along, I have someone for them. Very nice. And do you find that that's a challenge to keep that list of people or people who are available or um, or even like doing quality assurance? Like you you recommend that's someone and, and, and they don't work out? Like do you ever deal with that? I do. I try to make sure that people who get into my network, I've, I've worked with them in one way or the other because I love to be able to say to my clients, you know, here's my take on this person. And that's actually what they're paying for, my, my assessment. Right. And so I do work with people beforehand so I get a sense of their style, you know, how they interact with clients because I want my clients to have a really great experience. So I need to know first. Yeah. So, so this, so this next thing can get into kind of like the next step. And I think, mm -hmm. so like how, how can this grow? How can this scale up beyond just Dina? Right. right. Um, and so it sounds like, like what you just described there is clients are paying for your expertise or your personal experience or your mm -hmm. take on, on these individuals. And that's, that's great. That's valuable. But at a certain time, that's going to kind of max you out. Yes, um, it is. 
so what that can evolve into could be you know this this attorney has passed the outsourcing easier uh standard you know um checklist of of guideline of quality guidelines or something and and like our our team at outsourcing uh outsourcing easier has has vetted has vetted each of these using our 20 point um you know interview process or or like vet like vetting process or something like that like something to remove you from that process uh, but also make it sound more official and because it is more official and um and, and a standard set of vetting options and that's also something that your inter- your, your employees can then go through rather than you doing the vetting yourself that's exactly what i'm thinking of you know for the teammate searches i'm doing them now and what i'm doing is really uh, trying to capture every step and my thought process that goes with every step so that somebody else can pick it up it's not like magic what i'm doing right. it's just based on my experience and i can help somebody else understand my experience such that they can use it to make good decisions yeah have you have you ever i'm curious have you ever used that uh, chris ducker's service the virtual staff finder i haven't i'm a big fan of everybody else sorry to say chris so i've used you know guru when it was guru odas Elance, now that they're Upwork, I use them pretty regularly. I use Clarity FM, which I love for mm-hmm. my clients when they need consulting help, you know, strategy help. That, that's a good site. Yeah. So I'm familiar with a lot of the different platforms. Um, People per hour has been a yeah. good one. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, actually, uh, I'm actually really impressed with how the virtual staff finder process works. And I think, I think mm-hmm. if you look at that as a model, okay. um, I think that would really – that would really look because it's essentially the same thing as what you're doing. Just they're doing it for virtual assistants. Um, right. And it's really interesting because I've, I've gone through it twice now and the process was exactly the same both times. I mean, they, it's amazing. Like I'd be really fascinated to see what their, um, what their systems look like on, on internally. So basically, you know, after, after I pay, they, they send me a, a little questionnaire that I fill out yeah. Um, and then their virtual assistant kind of takes that and, and processes it. And then about a week later, I get an email from them, from that person that they've assigned to me, like my account manager or whatever. And it's not just three names. It's it's three names. It's a personality analysis on each person. Yeah. It's a recorded uh, – they, they ask each candidate to, like, introduce themselves over, like, a one-minute audio recording. So I get those nice. recordings. Um a couple other things like they, they, they you know they they fill in some some standard information about themselves and so i just get a, a whole big email with all this stuff laid out for me to kind of evaluate the three candidates and then and then i can schedule calls with with each of them um so like it, it's it, that's and that's not chris ducker doing that right like that's no. that's his assistant going through their process that they do right yeah it's really like pretty that. impressive it is pretty impressive and you're right we're doing some very similar things i think my teammates are covers a lot of the same points and the definitely the biz team curation part of that is sort of a behavioral analysis of the owner so they get to understand their conflict style and their work style and the kind of things that they like to do so you're right very similar i'm gonna see it i'm gonna buy something from him so i can see it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's really uh it's really pretty good i mean i you know the, and the virtual assistants have mostly worked out. I, there was just one candidate who just didn't quite fit some of the requirements, but it, it's yeah. been pretty good. 
but I, you know another another reason why I think that that works so well is because they've focused specifically on virtual assistants, right? Yeah. Um, and I think in your case, again, if you can focus any way that you can focus more, that that would help you standardize the process easier, but it would also help you market the service, right? I, I agree. Um, That's sort of how I settled on the biz team because that's a standard set of five that, as you said, just about everybody needs in some way or the other. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, even to go a step further on that, I might even, you might want to explore just just uh, placing attorneys or just placing a, a accountants because yeah. because then you're because um, then because what's going to happen there is, is you got a business owner who's currently in the mindset of okay I, I know that I need an accountant that's right. like I know I need to do my tax return soon I need I need bookkeeping services um, that's something that's on their mind so they're going to start actively seeking a solution to that whereas they may not they may not specifically be searching for okay how do I get all these like five different people at the same time. Entire team. So from what you're saying, I could see that offering one teammate might be a great way to start. And then for the advanced folks who've gotten a couple of teammates, then it might be a great idea to have them look at, okay, how are we going to make this into a, a larger team that's much more integrated and takes more stuff off your plate? Yeah, exactly. And, and this could be, a, you know, an opportunity to kind of like, you know, productize, uh, like yeah, the different aspects. So in your case, it, you, this could be a little bit unique in your case in that your product ladder is really just, do you want the lawyer placement package or the or account? The CPA. Yeah, yeah, or the CPA package. And if you've, if you've purchased the CPA package, then you can upgrade to the lawyer package at a discount. Like you can cross promote those, you know, pretty easily. So you actually sparked me there, Brian, because one of the things I'm planning on offering um, the lawyer package is sort of onboarding and nurturing programs. So how do you get your clients into your practice in a way that feels good to them, not necessarily you, um, and then how do you keep them engaged and communicate with them so they actually think that you're working? Yeah. Um, so that would be a nice add-on to you know those, those single, like here's your lawyer and here's your onboarding package and nurturing package for yeah, I have to think about that more. Yeah, absolutely. And and what you just described there, that could be, you know, an opportunity for for ongoing recurring services, right? Like a retainer yeah. kind of kind of situation where it, and and again, it's good if they start by by purchasing the one-time mm -hmm. offer and they kind of get to know you and your process and they and they're happy, they have some success, then after that it's it's a much easier sell to say, "Okay, do you want ongoing support for this?" Um and you know, I I think to clarify, we're talking mm -hmm. about like productizing the accountant, pa the, the CPA package or the lawyer package. And that these are multiple products, right? Right. But, but right. I, I think that's still, that's still workable because it, again, if, if they only serve one audience, you know, nurse entrepreneurs right. or lawyers or doctors or whatever that is. Um, yeah. And, you know, so it's, so, you know, any way to, that, that would help to standardize the positioning and the marketing and, and who you're reaching, but you can still offer, you know, multiple products. Okay. And, and even though, even those multiple products are sent, can essentially use the same processes, like the same vetting process, the same right. delivery process, just, you know, do it for lawyers or do it for CPAs. You're right. Actually, you help me sort of um, really think about narrowing it down because, you know, what? Most people don't want to narrow down their niche, but 
as you're talking, it becomes clear to me that it'll be so much easier if I do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's, that's a, that's a tough thing because, and, and I dealt with this for years. I was a freelance web designer, right? Before I did these <laughs> other businesses and you, you think about it and it's like, well, I could do a website for, you know, so many <laughs> different websites. There are so yeah. many different businesses. So it's, it's tough because you don't want to cut out all that potential business. Right. Right. Um, but I think there, that's a, that's a fallacy because what you're really cutting off is your ability to market yourself, right? right. Your, your, your ability to, to actively go out and say, I'm going to find all the nurse entrepreneurs in the country. Um, you know, you can't necessarily say, I'm going to go find all the people who need CPAs in the country because that's, that's <laughs> you know, right. that, it's impossible you to, to market right on the head because that's been the struggle. I'm like, well, how am I going to identify? No one walks around wearing a sign saying I need a CPA. Right. At least I haven't met them yet. Yep. Um, and so that is has been the challenge, but I think you're right. That's a good way to get over the challenge. Huh. Hmm. Lots to think about. Yeah. Um, so, like, any other questions at all we can cover here? I think I think my brain's about to explode, so I'm good. <laughs> um, lots to think about. I, I really think this was so useful to me in terms of laying out the overall plan and really convincing me to sort of niche down even further than I have been now, that's going to be really useful. Yeah. Really, really useful. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. And, and then as you start to, to niche down further and and really understand who it is you're, you're speaking to, then I think you can relate a lot of that stuff back on onto your website. You know, the headlines, the copy... Can yep. speak directly to nurse entrepreneurs, and and not just saying like nurse entrepreneur, but also like really speaking in their language. Speaking down you know? into their, their storyline, yeah. Yep, totally. Ooh, all right. I'm kind of excited and nervous at the same time. Yeah. Well, very nice. So, um, so you know, uh, reach out in a few months and and let me know how how it's going. Can, give me a progress update. And, I would uh, love to. Thank you for asking. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope this was helpful. And, um, oh, killer. It was just killer. It's always good to have some other person, a smart person like yourself, sort of walk through your ideas and see like where my thinking was on track and where it was a little bit off the mark. Yeah, very true. So I'll send you the, uh, the recording to this, and you can cool. refer back to it. And, uh, yes. yeah. Plenty of times. Sounds Thank good to you. you. All right, thanks. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. Get all the show notes for this entire season at productizepodcast.com. And to get my free productized crash course, where I share my best strategies for launching and sustaining your productized service business, head over to productizecourse.com. All right, time to get back to working on the business. <laughs>